I just be experienced a lot of stuff growing up that had a loud noise associated with it, and it was traumatic, <laughs> such as I was caught in a shootout when I was 17 or 18. I think I was 18. I was going to a house Did party. Did you win? I was not shooting, my friend. Oh, okay. Yep, Softy. no. Softy. <laughs> didn't have a gun on her, though I wish I had in that moment. Um, no, I was uh, going to a house party with my friends, and... Um, we got to the house and as we're walking up these guys it was in a sketchy ass part too of of the city so i, I, mean, I knew nuts. i knew not to go but i can't you know it was my friend's birthday so we were like oh we gotta go support him da -da 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 -da. it's his birthday um yeah so we get there and we're walking up to the house and these guys are like oh you girls look cold you should wait in the car and we look at them and we're like what the hell no not really thinking of it we're like we're trying to party what you mean like this is gonna be exciting and fun and we get up to the house and we don't even get through the front door i'm talking it is sardine level packed in that house and outside yeah. of that house it's a small house and it's like uh it, i think of spongebob like when they got all the sardines shoved together mm -hmm. in spongebob you know what i mean it was packed packed well yeah they started shooting as soon as we were getting ready to walk into the house there were shooters outside the house inside the house that's how it be my shooters house got shot everywhere. same age Varsity Kings, we're live. Special guest, take two. <laughs> Sarah Wiederquist, so my executive assistant. We we recorded one of these already, and I'm sitting here thinking like this is gonna take the most concentration in the world for me. What's whatsoever? <laughs> so we're we're doing a we're doing another take. So uh, for those of you that that got to listen to episode one of Sarah, this is episode two of Sarah Exciting. slash one. <laughs> I guess. How's everything going, Sarah? It's good. It's good. It's been um we're getting through it. We're getting ready for March Madness, so Yes. I feel I, like this thing is stuck on It gets stuck. These yeah, these things get, get stuck. I don't know. We got the new office coming up in June, so we'll see how the studio's arranged. Maybe we'll do more like a centerpiece or something and, and have the mics just there. <laughs> Bless know. you. We'll figure it out. So what's on your mind? How's life? Life's been pretty good. I mean, um, we've been through, I feel like we are going through a big transition as an agency and like pushing and getting ready for to do big things. And um, I, I get to contribute to it, which is really exciting getting to contribute to it in uh, numbers and in the assistant role and everything like that and getting to try out new leadership opportunities. And um, I think it's been really exciting. It's been really good to get some really strong forward momentum. Now are we gonna are we gonna release the other episode ever or should I rehash through your life to give everybody Honestly, a picture I of think your life? we should probably just do a brief I don't think I want that one back up. Yeah. To be honest. Okay. So episode two, episode one, episode two, ep episode one. This this, this can be this like is. episode one. <laughs> For those of you out there. So let's let's just uh take us through your life then again. Um, yeah, so I mean, well, keep it short and sweet this time. Um, was born into a pretty chaotic household. Uh, both parents were, at the time, um, drugs and alcohol ended up in foster care by the time I was five with my older brother and my older sister. Um, actually, I think my sister stayed with my mom, so just me and my older brother, we ended up being separated from, from my sister and from my family. Um, I was in foster care 
for a while we jumped around to a couple of homes and then when we were when I was eight seven or eight uh, my dad got custody of my brother and I so that's when we moved in with my dad um, single parent growing up raising us and the you know my childhood years were they were good I had a good time Um, it was really fun we did a lot of fishing we did a lot of like it was just kind of like that picturesque you know just single dad getting by how he could and then um teenage years that's when I feel like things kind of took a nosedive for a little bit I we went through a a rough a rocky path as a family um all of us kind of my brother and I get gaining a lot of our independence kind of going our own separate ways and then um my dad kind of turning into a a person that was difficult for us to really even recognize It, it was uh very stressful on him so he ended up um turning into this just new version of himself that was not a very good very healthy version of himself so my brother and I separated from that Colin moved out first um teenage years are when I started to dabble in like parties and drugs and alcohol and all that fun stuff you know what I mean and I I would say I was hooked on it for uh probably from like 16 to 18 because it gave me like an outlet from like meth no god no not (laughs) meth what the hell no i'm kidding (laughs) weed (laughs) that's not a drug (laughs) weed is not a drug okay well at the time it was considered yeah yeah it was considered a drug and because my dad had like the drug background and everything like that even just weed was an extreme no-no yeah um in our in our household but i mean yeah, I was smoking a lot of weed. I was drinking a lot, partying a lot, and it was really just doing it to, uh, like, get out of my home, get out of my family situation, my home situation. Um, had an abusive boyfriend at the time that was um, really bad and really hard, and I just, I was having a hard time figuring myself out and figuring my life out. Yeah. So, when I, when uh, school got ready to end high school, I was graduating. I didn't really know what to do next. So I just knew I wanted away from Bellevue where I grew up um, in Nebraska. And I chose to go to school in Lincoln at UNL. And I partied my whole first year away. Yeah. <laughs> partied that whole first year. I, I wasn't really at school to go to school. I was at school to get away from my home. Yeah. So, um, Partied that whole first year, and then after that, I failed out of college. I didn't even drop out. I think my family thinks I dropped out, but I failed tremendously, which is saying something. I was I graduated with a really high GPA in high school, but um, yeah, college I ended up failing out, and then um, after that, I was just kind of like wadding around, not really knowing what to do with my life. I was so broke, I could barely afford two hundred dollars worth of rent. You know what I mean? Like. I was working as a server at Olive Garden, had no car, so I couldn't work the night shift. I could only work day shifts, which means less money. And um, I was really just kind of struggling to get by and figure out what to do with my life. I had no no path, no knowledge, no nothing until I went through a really big, uh, I would call it like an internal transformation. Mm-hmm. It was a big like breakdown of what I currently knew about life and what I was stepping into so I think I met you guys um what January 2020 I think it was yeah yeah it would have been been January yeah so it was October 2019 when I really started like the whole breakdown process really started to happen yeah um and it 
it was triggered because I thought I was in love with somebody and he did not want me and he he ended it and went to another woman and that that was just kind of like my last straw yeah and it went through a major a major breakdown it was very confusing um very painful it but I I took a lot of that time from October to January up until when we met and did a lot of internal reflection working on myself I naturally got onto a mind body spirit routine um which I feel like was like the last trigger into you guys coming into my life. I um, went through that and then you guys came into my life. Still was not very emotionally stable, but at least at this point I was ready for the next path. And yeah. that's when my journey with AIL started. So you were selling Mary Kay. Yeah. And Sam DM'd you. Yes. And was like, what up, gorgeous? I'm going to take you out. And, and <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> what's up baby let me take you out to dinner <laughs> so, so you go get a drink with sam and, no, I'm no that's not <laughs> at all what happened <laughs> no so what's sam say sam dm'd me um at the time i had a mary Kay business page and i was really doing mary Kay as like a front so yeah. my family wouldn't ask me what i was doing with my life because yeah. i wasn't really doing anything other than getting my internal shit together yeah and um he dm'd me and he was like um hey me and my business partner are new to the area and we'd like to network please let me know if we can do anything for you and i said thank you i'll let you know <laughs> that, yeah. that was it i just said thank you i'll let you know and didn't respond i it took a couple hours after that initial dm because i was like hmm something's telling me to chase this rabbit yes something's telling me to at least check it out because of his wording of not trying to recruit you not trying to um, sell you anything, anything like that, which you guys did end up selling me on life insurance. But, you know, that that comes in a couple of weeks after. But, um, yeah, I, I just had this really strong feeling to chase the rabbit. And I knew uh, the day before Sam had DM'd me, I had had a big sit down with myself and was asking myself the questions of like, what would you do if money was no problem? I was reading Think and Grow Rich and I was asking my, I just knew I knew in my body, in my in my soul and everything in my entire being that whatever my next opportunity was had just entered Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. I knew it. And so then after CM DM'd me, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to try it. So I messaged him back and said, hey, would you guys like to get coffee and talk um, about an opportunity, like yeah. talk talk business? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Me and my business partner will come, da, 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 da. And I was so broke at the time. I don't even know if you guys know this, but I literally spent my last $15 on two Ubers that day or three Ubers that yeah. day. Um, an Uber to go to the coffee shop to meet with you and Sam, an Uber back home from the coffee shop, and then an Uber to the dinner no, I don't even think I, I Ubered to the dinner. I had my friend pick me I up and drop me off. We went to a dinner, didn't we? Yeah, we went to a dinner. I think that's when Sam was like, I think he was talking to Carmen and I was like, that those are some red flags or something. Like it was at the dinner and uh, something something weird had happened. And I was, I think I was more upset with Sam. I remember being upset, I think. Yeah, you didn't show that. <laughs> I think I was pissed. You should, you had like a very excited personality when I first met you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When I met you at the, um, I didn't realize that you guys were going in there to interview me. So when, when we met at the coffee shop and you guys walked in and started blasting me with questions, I was like, 
oh my god it lasted like two seconds and then you guys just got up and left you walk in to this coffee shop in suits and a beanie because it's the middle of winter and i'm like who are these people coming into yeah. the coffee shop in suits and a beanie what the hell what, yeah what are they doing and then uh yeah we went to that that you called it a networking dinner it was with uh oh i don't remember his name do you remember his name he's a he's an entrepreneur in nebraska white or black white colton i don't remember like a country looking dude everybody from nebraska is a country looking dude what what do you talk about i don't remember he brought his girlfriend oh yeah no he's supposed to get on the podcast yeah uh, yeah i uh, remember him but i can never remember his name i'm so sorry yeah that guy that guy <laughs> yeah so anyway we went and we met with that guy and um that that was like my first time ever I having a that. nice dinner yeah i remember that a super nice dinner and i only ordered mushrooms because i was afraid i was gonna have to pay for myself and i couldn't afford it <laughs> yeah people are all like people are always surprised because i i don't i don't remember the last time i went out to dinner with someone and like didn't pay and yeah. they're, they're always surprised when when i'm like when i like pay like if people don't know me and i'm like they're like do you want me to help and i was like no and they're like you, really you can i was like like it's two hundred dollars spend that when i wake up <laughs> they're like what the fuck yeah so after that is when um i came in and did a skincare party with you guys yes and that's when i got hooked yes that was that was my that was my hook right there that i still have pictures from that and i will <laughs> frame those pictures mm -hmm. of you guys doing the skincare it's like rob and john and sam and you you and gotta send me these today i will you got gonna you're gonna die group me you're gonna die. They're so you guys. I remember look coming like up to you and like telling you like, "Hey, we ain't buying shit if you don't buy shit." Yeah, you did <laughs> say that to <laughs> and me. You like, you like looked at me like I was like, and I'm like, I'm dead ass serious. You did say <laughs> that, and then after I finish, I've got like a whole gaggle of people yeah. swarming me, and I'm like, I haven't even had to buy anything yet. And yeah. then I did end up buying life insurance like off John. Dollar policy or something. I think yeah. it was like fifty bucks. Yeah, that's really all I could afford. That's oh, like yeah. all I had in my but bank you, account. But you probably made four hundred dollars that day. I made seven hundred dollars that day. Yeah, off of Mary Kay. And I remember you asked me. You were like, "How much did you make?" And I said seven hundred, but it's fifty percent commission because you have to invest fifty percent back into your business to buy more product. And you were like, "Well, you could have made that full hundred percent with us." That full seven hundred dollars, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> crazy." Yeah, see, I remember always being like nuts. <laughs> you were always nuts, especially in the beginning. Yeah, especially in the beginning, lots of wrestling, lots of well, I was walls. twenty, twenty one. I think you were like twenty one. Yeah, so I just turned, I just turned twenty one, and uh, yeah, I was absolutely a tyrant, probably. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit. So, how was the beginning of your career with us? Rocky. Yeah. Rocky. I know you can attest to that. It was, uh, <laughs> I was not very emotionally stable. I put on a really good front. Yeah. <laughs> I put on a really good front. Um, but no, internally, I still had a lot of maturing and growing up to do. Um, and really, at the time, what I was praying for was just a space where I could love and be loved and just try you know what i mean and just yep. give it my all and patience that's that's really what i was praying for at the time and i feel like thank god you guys tried to get rid of me 
I refused. Yeah, kind of. I was like, go ahead and take a walk. <laughs> think about if you're even going to be able to do this. Not even that. You said, let me know when you're ready to quit. I remember that. Oh, okay. I remember <laughs> I that. I said it a little so, nicer. <laughs> no, I remember that so clearly because I sat there and I really, I like turned my body back and forth towards the door, not towards the door. And I said, oh, shit. <sighs> And yeah, I took a deep back. breath and I came back. I was back surprised. In. When you came back, I was like, all right, I can respect it. Dude, it was so embarrassing. Everybody just stopped what they were doing and they were staring at me and it was so embarrassing. But sometimes you got to do that. You know, I've had to take some fat, embarrassing L's <laughs> in this business. Yeah. And I feel like that was the first one that really showed my my dedication to my growth, like to yeah. myself, because I knew I knew I would never quit. And I had said that yeah. a million times in the beginning was I'm never going to quit. I don't care. I'll, I'll force it. I'll, yeah. I'm never going to quit because I know there's nowhere else I can go that can give me the opportunity that this place was giving me at the time and still gives me to this day. Now, when did you transition? Were we in the new office when you transitioned into the assistant position? Not yet. We were like a week away from moving into it. I remember touring the office with you. Okay. Maybe yes. maybe two weeks away from it, but I remember doing like the final tour with you and setting up the Wi-Fi and the mural. Yeah. Setting up the mural and everything. And then we had moved into that new office. So I transitioned. I was a I was an agent for from I was coded in February yeah. of twenty twenty. February to like April? No, it March? was like August. August, October was when we moved in. We got no, we moved we or maybe it was July. Because we were only in Nebraska for nine months. It was January to October. Yeah. But we weren't in that new office for more than a month or two. Are you sure? Yeah. Because I moved down in December. I thought I destroyed that office. No. No. I moved down in December. Oh, uh, yeah. You're right. Because I remember some hot months. Yeah. Grilling out. Yeah. So we moved We moved into that new office probably in like late July or yeah. early August. Yeah. And I transitioned into um, an assistant probably, I think it was right after my 21st birthday. So it was right after the beginning of July. Yeah. When I transitioned into an assistant. And then, uh, yeah, and then we moved into that new office and I I swear I thrived. It was great. Yeah, I remember that. Great. Yeah, that, that, that new office was dope. We loved that little 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 place i wouldn't have i wouldn't have minded building a billion dollar operation right right there i know honestly that office was kind of fun it was was like it was really it was outdated it was really old yeah really ugly but it was fun it it felt like an office for whatever reason like it felt more like the wolf of wall street than any office i think we've ever been in other than that very first one yeah yeah that one was nuts too that one was nuts so you transition into the assistant position mm-hmm. and then that we're, we're there for two months and then we get the call to transition into ownership and move to Chicago, you know, over that time period, what, what's all going through your mind? You know, what's all happening in your life? I am ready to get the hell out of Nebraska. Yeah. I, I think uh, you had talked to John and Rob first and then you pulled me in next and you were like, we're going to get ready to uh, go to Chicago. I'm not going to force you, but if you'd want to come, I'd like for you to come. And I was like, absolutely. You don't even have to finish that question. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah, you I'm in there. Yeah. On board. yeah, I'm in there because uh, I was getting ready to have to move out of my grandma's. I was living in my grandma's yeah. basement at the time. Yeah. And then 
because I had lived with my brother and then I lived with my grandma in her basement and then I was like I can't keep living here she's um as as gracious as she was I knew it wasn't a permanent solution yeah so I uh I was ready for it honestly I saved up a bunch of money as soon as I could put the down payment on an apartment up here and got out here by December yeah yeah you were out here quick yeah I was honestly just ready and really excited for it so you got out of here quick. We start out here and really what all of last year was our first year. Mm-hmm. So what was that like for you all of last year and really your responsibilities increasing and more diversification and the responsibilities that you do have with, with also assisting Simon and, and then working closely with his assistants and just everything going on in your personal life and your business life. What was all that like? I think getting out here helped me let go a lot of of a lot of the um, personal issues that I was having back in Nebraska. So like a lot of the family ties and everything like yeah. that, I was able to distance myself mm-hmm. from a lot of that, which really helped because over the last year, I've really been able to hone in and focus in and sharpen my skills as an assistant in a sense of sharpen um my my scheduling and everything like that and I've I've got it so well balanced now and those first initial months coming out here was really confusing because it was like the next level up and I felt like I didn't have at the time anybody directly to go to to teach me how to do the level up as an assistant previously yeah. it was just very minimal I, I would be able to work like two hours a day and get everything done. You yeah. know what I mean? Then I got out here and it was like, okay, now you're back in the swing of the full schedule. It it took me a while, honestly, to figure out a schedule that worked from eight to nine because I'm out here by myself. I want to utilize that time to the fullest. I don't, I don't really enjoy having being off at four and having from four to nine completely open. I feel like I'm lazy, like I'm not working. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Um, it took a while for me to balance everything out and get a grip and learn everybody's names, all the news people's names. And I, but I felt like it was good because it was a chance for me to reestablish a new version of myself. Yeah. Back in Nebraska, everybody kind of knew that, that first version of me that came in and was very up and down and quick to anger and quick to be emotional and seemed like I, I just, I wasn't really well respected. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, out there and I was able to come out here and really get my shit together and form reform my name so that it was respected and I feel like I've done I feel like I've done pretty well doing that over the last year I feel like that's something that I really spent a lot of time just doing internal work and external work in a sense of like being a woman in business and a strong woman in business Mm -hmm. and making sure that I'm doing it to the best of my ability and I'm helping the people around me, but I'm taking care of myself as well and I'm balanced in all aspects. So I have no room to really feel overwhelmed because I've got everything down so well now. Yeah. Now, who do you think, you know, up until this point in your life, who's been the most influential person in your life? I would say there's been two people. Um, childhood up until I really moved out here it was definitely my grandma. She was she she was a really strong businesswoman. Worked her way up in like the 80s in business in Nebraska, mm-hmm. 
So as a woman to do that, that's difficult in itself. Yeah. Um, and then getting out here, I would say I have paid more attention. I've paid, a, I'd say you in a sense, but also myself. Yeah. Getting out here, I stopped. Getting in tune with yourself. Yeah. It, I don't, I know a lot of people say get a mentor and do exactly what they do. Yeah. Right. Because that's how you're going to get exactly what you want. Yeah. But it's still confusing to me to do that. I, I haven't quite found that person that I'm willing to completely mold myself into. I, I'd rather well, yeah. go through the hard Being stuff. standing yeah. up is hard. Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> you're right peeing standing up is hard good for you glad you could john sits does he john is a sit peer oh john John. you listen listening oh jonathan yeah john's a sit peer so but no but yeah so so getting in tune with yourself and 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 allowing yourself to influence and uh guide yourself keep going yeah yeah more so like i know that i want to be the mentor yeah long term that's that's what i want to do so i feel like i have to face those hardships and just kind of learn by trial and error yeah that way i can i know it's a little bit slower of a road um but i do better on a slower road like that than i would if i were to try to fast track it i'd be tripping over myself yeah if that makes sense no it makes sense if i were to try to force it and speaking in regard to adversity what what's like what's the hardest adversity you've had to overcome in your life up until this point I think uh, where I came from, uh, in a sense of where where I came from was a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, and a lot of emotional, mental abuse. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about it much in my family. It's more kind of swept under the rug, honestly. But the truth is, like, that's, that's the environment I grew up in. Yeah. And it molded me to come out into the world terrified. Yeah. Terrified of men, terrified of the world, terrified to stick up for myself, terrified to have boundaries, you know. It, it, all the wrong things were modeled to me. Yeah, you can definitely tell because I have a very, like, naturally spastic personality. So if I ever start yelling and I'm too close to you. Yeah, it freaks me out. Freak, like you go to like a like a PTSD state. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's something I've had to work on. I, twice. It's happened twice. <laughs> I always get, I, and it's not just you. I always get worried about, I, I think of other individuals. I'm like, you know, because there's so many people that, that grow up in, in broken homes and broken and you never know who's yeah. gone through what, you know, and how people will respond to it. Because I mean, I grew up in, in a, in a nut, nut house where you know, that, that's all my dad did was, you know, beat the shit out of us and, and yell. Freak out, and yeah. freak out. So, but, like, for me, I, I feel at home and it's, like, a peaceful place for me. I'm like, oh, nice. Yeah, no, Someone's that's a yelling. fucking tornado for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't stand yelling. I'm like, oh, love. <laughs> when people are, like, angry and getting beat, I'm like, oh. Nice. <laughs> beat me. I feel good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we might have to cut uh, that part out, in. We know what your kinks are. <laughs> <laughs> we have to cut that out. But, uh. But yeah, no, I, I think of that, you know, sometimes and I think that's helped me kind of balance my my leadership style of trying to privately communicate yeah. uh, whatever, whatever it is I need to just, just in uh, one, not setting, setting an example of an emotional instability, but but also making sure I'm not compromising people's emotional stability through through, uh, you know, delivering excessively passionate uh, communication where we're, you know, I'm I, just being careful with the spontaneity of, of me. Yeah freaking the fuck out in the office put my head through a wall and yelling at someone yeah i think um 
loud noises are a big thing for me so i mean like i just experienced a lot of stuff growing up that had a loud noise associated with it and it was traumatic (laughs) such as i was caught in a shootout when i was 17 or 18 i think i was 18 i was going to a house party did you win i was not shooting my friend oh okay yep softy Sarah didn't have a gun on her, though I wish I had in that moment. Um, No, I was uh, going to a house party with my friends, and um, we got to the house, and as we're walking up, these guys, it was in a sketchy-ass part, too, of of the city, so I I knew. I mean, this sounds nuts. I knew not to go, but I can't, you know, it was my friend's birthday, so we were like, oh, we got to go support him, da-da-da-da-da, it's his birthday. Um, Yeah, so we get there, and we're walking up to the house, and these guys are like, oh, you girls look cold, you should wait in the car. And we look at them and we're like, what the hell? No, not really thinking of it. We're like, we're trying to party. What you mean? Like, this is going to be exciting and fun. And we get up to the house and we don't even get through the front door. I'm talking, it is sardine level packed in that house and outside yeah. of that house. It's a small house and it's like, uh, it, I think of SpongeBob, like when they got all the sardines shoved together mm-hmm. in SpongeBob, you know what I mean? It was packed, packed. Well, yeah, they started shooting as soon as we were getting ready to walk into the house. There were shooters outside the house, inside the house. That's how it be. My shooters house got shot everywhere. Up. Same age. Dude, and I remember seeing this girl running, screaming for help with blood all down her legs. And I'm like, I'm texting um, I'm texting one of my friends at the time. And in I was like. In the middle like, of a shootout? Well, we were running and I was terrified. And I'm like, they're shooting, they're shooting, they're shooting. And he's like, just run, Sarah, stop texting. And I'm like, okay. Damn, and i'm dude. running and like i got my other friend who let's be honest she's not an athlete so she got yeah. about a block down before she couldn't keep running and i'm like we gotta go situation. we gotta go you want to always in like and i feel like in situations of like turmoil you always want to pair up with someone maybe a little like less than you to like be the distraction oh that's fucked up <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know it's like ah sorry Susie. sorry they're gonna take you you don't, I, I just imagine you with like you know your glock just pulling up to the house and you're just <laughs> just sarah <laughs> sarah about to sarah about to <laughs> sarah nebraska shut the fuck up <laughs> Oh, she keeps saying that. She keeps that. Sarah ain't on no shit. Shut the fuck up. Sarah starts shooting the house up. Oh man, yeah, that that was traumatic. Not even like a full year later is when y'all started lighting off the fireworks. Oh, that's, you. That's why I freaked out. Oh my god, I wasn't Who over else? that. Wasn't there other people? Yeah, it was a whole group of you, but you. No, wasn't there more criers? Like you oh, and like I don't who know. else? There were some other people that like really freaked the hell out we were like doing it in the office it was in like, the office was like, in the boom oh, yeah what the fuck? <laughs> dude in the like the open grass space yes. uh, right next to the office and it blew up in the grass yeah and they were like they would like fall on their side face and you yeah, have to like run run because you're run! getting shot up with a firework here soon yep. yeah that was that was terrifying i i oh, man i was a big crybaby the last couple of years Shit. yeah well i'm over it now yeah. somewhat yeah I do even more in my private space. Yeah, yeah. With my cat. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then what about, uh, I, I I think, you know, as, as as we got up to here, getting over the adversities, and then and really then just creating passions outside of work, how do you maintain the balance of everything that it is you have to do, you know, essentially my life 
you know, kind of like orbits because of because of you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Without without you, I wouldn't be able to do anything. So with balancing, you know, the responsibilities that come to the business in my life and then and then, you know, producing on your own or you, mm-hmm. you I mean, last week you did six, seven thousand in, in sales, top agent in the company. So to balance all these things where some people can't even do like one fucking job. What's that look like for you? Like, how do you keep yourself emotionally cool from, you know, basically being like a broken little girl to like now, mm-hmm. like just like this, like fearless, fierce woman to uh, just like slaying in the business and your personal life. Like what's all that? Like what, what are the different aspects of balance for you and how is that mm-hmm. possible? Well, I journal a lot. Yes. <laughs> First and foremost, anytime I'm frustrated or I'm angry or I'm feeling a negative sense of an emotion, Rather than taking it out on the people around me and taking it out on uh, you or something, which you you took the brunt of it before I learned this. And um, yeah, I really, I journal, I journal a lot now, but really what about the balance looks like for me is um, I have a structure. I have a structure of how the day is going to go. I know what time I'm going to wake up. I know what time I'm going to be in the office. I know before I go to bed if I'm going to get hair and makeup ready or if I'm going to do sweats the next day. I know what I'm going to eat for lunch. I know what I'm going to eat for breakfast and dinner. I know if I need to do um, a so report that day. You're extremely organized. Yeah. So the extreme organization and prioritization around what it is you need to get done yes. helps you maintain balance in work and then in your emotional life too? Yes. Yes. Because that... When you, when you're so busy, you know what I mean? You you don't have time to focus on anything else. Yeah. Like your mind, even if you've got something else on your mind, when you get rolling on that to-do list and you get rolling on those tasks for the day, that kind of leaves your mind. Yeah. So I've learned that you go through and you structure your life in a way that is productive every day. So you feel like you've accomplished something every single day. Yes. And then, um, you, I really just kind of. I'm fluid within that structure, but that structure is really what keeps it. It's really what keeps the foundation strong because after now granted, um, yes, that structure is something that really helps. That's what keeps me focused. But what really helps me develop is I purposefully take the time every morning to listen to or a book or a podcast or YouTube video, um, of womanhood like how to come into your womanhood because right now I don't have a direct woman teaching me mentoring me it's just kind of me out here figuring it out I know in my mind I want to be graceful and I want to be strong and I want to be compassionate and I want to be caring I want to be like an empress right not just a queen but an empress so about Rob yeah definitely Rob Rob he's an empress Rob's Rob's (laughs) a, a princess yes um But (laughs) um, so I'm purposefully watching these YouTube videos and I'm reading these books and I'm listening to these development podcasts of people speaking on queenhood or womanhood or how to be a woman in business, how to address certain things in business as a woman, how to handle your life as a woman, how to become more organized as a woman. I'm purposefully targeting these things because a lot of them it it just hits home for me more than it would if I were to read a book written by a man. Well, you know, obviously, you know, from from your perspective, you know, obviously, screw men. But, uh, um, <laughs> but who's your favorite woman then that that like really pours into you? I love. Hold on, I gotta I gotta look her up on YouTube. I've I've fake seen, fan. 
no you <laughs> sent me one of her videos and then yes. i sent you back one of her videos and was like watch it take notes i know <laughs> i was like do you need uh hold on i gotta see give me one second i don't know how to work this subscriptions maybe am i subscribed to her uh-oh see here i got her too I liked one of her videos. It is Leela Hormozzi. Yeah, that Layla, one. Layla. 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 She's really good for business. And then one thing that I... This is actually... It's by a man, believe it or not. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. R.C. Blakes Jr. on YouTube. He's a pastor, but him and his wife have um, a playlist on there called Queenology. Mm. And he wrote a book called Queenology. And a lot of these books and these talks, they're like an hour an hour each but it goes through different things like seven things a queen conscious woman never does or does a woman must never pursue this um six things a queen conscious woman does with her life and like all these different things that like how to build your feminine energy all of these different um topics i guess topics and subjects that i feel like a young woman could listen to and really really develop from because that's specifically what i've been listening to recently is layla for business and then rc blakes for personal internal development him and his wife dope now when you think of you know because i think a lot of the girls in the industry you know they they they're always looking for you know a you know new powerful women to look up to you know when you when you look at the percentage wise of mm -hmm. the financial services industry how i mean like truly how many women are out there for you to have you know access to to look up to a handful like a handful so like people are always reaching out to me and they're like you know d different different women are like you know who who's some some good girls that we can talk to and get some inspiration and just a different perspective that we could relate to mm -hmm. and uh business and personal life one of the biggest things and i want to reflect back because you said if you want to we mm -hmm. don't have to we can just skip over it but uh, in regard to abusive relationships are always I think one of the things is you know identifying red flags and then how mm -hmm. to proceed and then also how to recover so like I think the identification process how do you proceed and start to remove yourself and mm -hmm. then following up with the conclusion of how are you uh, identifying that also that those root then you know and how to heal problems from it. and heal from it yeah um identifying the red flags really and truly they come out textbook yeah like you just kind of feel it and yeah ignore nine it. times out of ten um and savannah and i were talking about this recently um because we were both like dang we kind of ignore the red flags you know what i mean I feel like everybody does you, everybody you, does you get infatuated you see and you're the like, best yeah you you choose to see the best in that person and especially in our industry where we pour so much into ourselves we're like we'll just help them grow yeah exactly oh it's just something they need to grow through we'll grow we'll grow together i'll give them a book it's okay yeah exactly they'll they, stop cheating they'll i'll, do, I'll give yeah. them a book <laughs> <laughs> they can listen to a ted talk it'll be great yeah, shoot. <laughs> but really they come out textbooks so i mean like it's how is that how is that man or woman talking to you when they're angry right mm. are they yelling at you are they blaming you how are they, they talk to their mom are they gaslighting you yeah how do they talk to their parents how specifically as a woman i'm looking at how men what's treat the gaslighting gaslighting is when you have done something wrong but now you've made the person that's addressing that feel like they did. That's my wrong. favorite thing to do. I know. You, <laughs> I know. I'm changing my Instagram name to King Gaslight. <laughs> what Jesus. the fuck? 
you do you, you you've done it a few times oh i love oh my god i'm gonna, but I, <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> fucking tear up from laughing that's my favorite thing <laughs> if someone calls me out of my shit well motherfucker <laughs> what about you <laughs> stupid that's a red flag ladies pay attention to that yep don't um, come near me please yeah <laughs> might as well just save yourself the time and energy but um yeah so <laughs> so there's gaslighting is pretty self (laughs) self self-explanatory it's how do they treat um other people such as other women how do they talk about other women when they think no other woman is around that's Mm. a big one a big (laughs) one these are so gross they're gnarly and they are disrespectful (laughs) all dudes just failed that one (laughs) so i feel like there's probably one in a million out there that that talks genuinely positively because yeah. about women because he's got a good relationship with women such so yeah. a good relationship with his mom and st- stuff like that and it's yep. different for everybody but that's how you identify it it truly is key um textbook things like literally what you're taught in health class is an abusive relationship is exactly what you're going to experience yeah i'm not kidding and it's going to be a little bit different for everybody but it's going to be a lot of like the i'm sorry i promise i'll change i'm sorry i won't do it again and boom he hits you again or yeah boom he cheats on you again boom he does something again people don't change for other people they change for themselves Mm -hmm. so they don't they're saying it so you don't leave right because it makes them nervous to think that they're gonna lose something that they consider to be a prize but they don't value yeah right there's no worth no value behind it not to say that you're worthless or you don't hold value but to say that that person doesn't see you with value they don't see you having worth so thus they treat you like you have no worth yeah so that's identifying it getting out of it it's truly different for every situation because maybe it's a situation where it's not hostile and it's not difficult to get out of it and literally all you have to do is say mm, I'm out of five thousand because maybe you just met this person and you caught the red flag super early on. Yeah. So there's no emotional attachment yet. Most of the time, people are not going to leave until there's an emotional attachment. At that point, you have to go through and figure out, A, is this person going to hurt me if I walk away? B, do I have resources to go to when I'm ready to walk away? Do you have anybody backing you up? Are you talking to somebody about this? You, the first step is really telling somebody what's going on behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. That's the first step because then you have somebody in your corner and you're that much more stronger. On average, it does take women, they they will go back to their abusive relationship six to seven times on average. (laughs) It's true. I thought women were smarter. I thought men weren't so disgusting. (laughs) But it's true. (laughs) And not to say all men, not to say (laughs) all men. Men, uh, clearly I work in a male dominated industry around a lot of men and you guys are you good men. <laughs> I'm saying like, um, yeah, dating has just been atrocious, but, um, coming, coming back to that, you made me lose my train of thought. So, no, you were, you were doing good. So, uh, I, I mean, I feel like more or less like snapping out of that trance and identifying like if yeah. you do have that emotional attachment of like almost making like a list like when we when we when we close people like a pro and con list like exactly what are the pros of me staying versus the cons exactly of me staying and sometimes it's a lot more difficult sometimes there are kids involved sometimes Mm -hmm. there's family ties involved sometimes he has all your money and his name like there's those are sticky situations yeah those ones are going to be a lot harder to get out of but not impossible yeah it just takes a little bit smarter thinking on your end yeah you just have to play the game a little bit smarter until you can finally get out. 
my suggestion would be move yeah <laughs> move. move like get get out of there move you know i hear that one move and then having a good a good team mm-hmm. and then i think and then what do you think about the hostile situations is it just like call authority some you know anytime i hear of like hostile situations and my my recommendations like hey you should get a hold of the authorities you know usually the rebuttal is well you know i don't want to i don't want to completely get them in trouble or i don't want to get hurt but i also don't want to get them in trouble like yeah i'll hear different things along those lines most people aren't going to call the authorities because they feel like nothing's going to get done a lot of the times, I'm not going to lie, in a lot of the situations and cases that I've read and looked into with abusive relationships and stuff like that, you can get a restraining order on somebody, but you can tell the authorities, hey, I feel like this person's going to kill me. And they're going to be like, mm, well, nothing much we can do on a feeling. And then they kill her. So it's like, mm. my, you can report it. But realistically, you need to have people in your corner that are going to back you up with action. Yeah. Such as actively helping get you out of the situation Mm -hmm. um helping remove you and helping you move forward with your life and everything like that because as much as i want to say yeah go to the authorities that's definitely gonna help i i've read through too many cases where it just didn't help yeah it didn't do anything um all it did was file a report and what's a report gonna do when he shows up at your house in the middle of the night with a knife or a gun (laughs) You know what I mean? On some crazy shit. Yeah. Because he saw a car drive past your house that he's never seen before and that you don't even know who it is or something crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So hostile situations are sticky. Thankfully, my abusive relationship that I experienced, (laughs) it was hostile, but not to the point where like I was terrified for my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was it was sticky and difficult to get out of. And the only way I could get out of it was by moving yeah moving and literally i moved from my hometown up to lincoln Mm -hmm. i saw him one time after that and i turned around and walked away and he didn't follow me thank god Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it uh it it's different for every person i say the first step is to always reach out to somebody else and somebody close to you that you trust and start brainstorming ways that you can get out and move forward with your life what's healing look like painful It's painful because now when you're in that, you lose yourself. Mm -hmm. You lose your sense of direction. You lose your confidence. You lose who you were before you got into that relationship. You're no longer happy. And it's really confusing. Maybe it's okay, though, to lose the self of the idea of the self, I should say, Mm -hmm. when you were affiliated with that relationship or person. Yeah. So I say that because I say that it is because that version of you who you were before you stepped into that relationship was a version of you that stepped into that relationship. Mm. The version of you when you come out of that relationship is no longer that previous person. Yeah. Thus, you've gone through two transformations. Now all you have to do is solidify the third. Mm. You've been the first person, you've been the second person, and now you're out of it and have to figure out how to become the third. And that's where it's the most difficult because... There's going to be times, I know for myself personally, I went a year and a half straight and I did not want anybody to touch me. Mm -hmm. I'm in a sense of like, I didn't even want to hug. I didn't want you to touch my shoulder, my hand. I don't want to hug. I didn't want to do any of that. I didn't want anyone in my personal bubble, especially a man. Mm -hmm. And um, some women, it's more extreme than that. For me, it took a year and a half to even allow somebody to hug me again so i've heard of and i mean this is this is very 
you know, I guess, I guess blunt, but like, just like medically, like I've heard of, I, I believe just women going through cases where they were raped and essentially just ruined sex forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the PTSD is so extreme that they don't want to be involved with that whatsoever, which is absolutely atrocious. You yes. know what I mean? It's completely disgusting, but it makes sense even down to that smaller form of like being in a hostile situation or something like that where it's like you know i i I wouldn't want to be touched or something i could see that uh just with different triggers that i can see linking to to like my childhood of like you know if something does happen very like quickly or abruptly i'll get triggered to like you know crazy want to attack (laughs) you know fight (laughs) but uh i can i could i could see that you know and it's it's unfortunate and sad um but what are action steps with the healing too? You know, it's, it's, yeah. it, I think it's a realization of, you know, transitioning and shedding that skin. But, you know, is it, is it you know, 10 minutes of meditating a day, like, you know, I think, um, finding an escape, which mm-hmm. I wanted to get into next with you is what, yeah. what's your escapes? I believe action steps, I, a therapist is good. However, mm-hmm. not everybody has the means to a therapist. Yeah. I personally didn't have my family didn't know i was going through it yeah at the same time my grandma was going through a uh, a divorce from an abusive relationship and that was pretty public and i feel like it's not very accepted like it's almost re- like like when you go through relationship issues pe- you almost feel like ashamed yeah and you don't want to bring it up because you don't want people to look at you differently from either the horrible things that did transpire in the relationship where you don't want to be judged by friends yeah. and family of like oh you know what i mean i don't want you to think less of me because here's what happened or you told me not to yeah you know get involved mine was more so like my grandma was going through it and Mm -hmm. all of the attention and focus was on helping her and I didn't want to take that away yeah because I knew she needed it Mm -hmm. and I knew I could get through it on my own so Mm -hmm. I think a therapist is really good um to to get into if you can if you have the means if you don't that's where the journaling came in for me um if you look back on my journals from two three four years ago that's i think three years ago is when i really started addressing all of it inside Mm -hmm. of a journal because i just kept it bottled up like so finding a way to talk even if it's to yourself mm -hmm. and then like in a in a format yeah where you spew it put it out there you just get real and raw and honest it's like having a conversation with your best friend or having a conversation with the therapist you're just talking to yourself um on a piece of paper right so therapy is what started for me and then i started to look into meditation and different type of holistic healings and so i could get answers to my questions and stuff like that and um that's when my my spiritual realm started to open up again because i was really confused i didn't know if i believed in god or jesus or any of this stuff because I felt like I was abandoned. I felt like I didn't have any connection to it because of my traumatic life leading up to when I was finally living on my own at 19 years old. Yeah. So um, I started to open back up to spirituality and getting a closer relationship with God, who I call the universe. I think it's all the same general thing, but you know, um, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it for purposes of the common common we'll call it god but um yeah that's when i started to build a deeper relationship with god and i started to feel protected again and i started to feel safe again and i started to feel genuinely happy again i started to meditate that was a big action step that 
I meditated for five days straight one time. I'm talking like from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed minus eating and like going to the bathroom and stuff like that. I meditated all day for five days straight. And it was an extreme reset. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? An extreme reset for me. That's when I got into um, being open-minded and really getting honest with myself and figuring out who I wanted to be without this past version of myself looming over me like yeah. a haunting cloud you know mm-hmm. what i mean so i think uh, action steps that you can take is talk to a therapist if you can get into journaling and meditate those are like the three things where you can start and yeah. then your path will begin to form do you from think there. the therapist could be substitute for just a really good person in your life somebody that has a good ear because i've met therapists that i think are just absolutely dumb yeah or just weird and i end up helping them yeah anything, and i'm like this isn't what i'm paying yeah, you for i don't want to do th- like and, and then i've like just met good like i would probably get more out of a conversation of just talking to you opening yeah. up to you or you know my mom or you know what i mean just a uh, simon just a, a person you know what i mean that i i feel like i'm i feel like we just throw the i feel like therapists are just thrown out there of like super quickly yeah yeah i think uh Honestly, if you have somebody in your life, the key to that is finding somebody who's not going to put their opinions A on biased. You. Yeah. That's the hardest part. That's the most confusing part because it's like it's like you're a toddler or you're a baby out mm-hmm. in the world again and you're confused and it's a whole different yeah. world because you had you were shut in this house for so long. So you don't want somebody who you're, you're going to get out and though you may trust them, they may not have genuinely good mm. advice or intentions for you. So it's different because you have good people around you. You got to think about those people that are fresh out of those situations yeah. don't have the best people around them typically. Yeah. So that's why I think journaling starts well. And then you'll learn, you can start to open up to, you'll find somebody on that path who you can talk to and go from there how do you not end up in the same situation again with the next guy you know there's really you have to trust yourself you have to trust yourself to recognize the red flags and you have to know your boundaries that's where boundary building comes in and that's where i found the most difficulty since that relationship is boundary building um because if you don't set the pace and set the tone in the very beginning and you end up attracting a man like that in again you're gonna accept him full full force yeah and it's gonna happen again and it's gonna happen again and again and again until you stop and you look at yourself and you're you ask you know what am i doing wrong well you're probably just not setting boundaries Mm. you're probably too too weak in your boundaries and that's not a bad thing that's just an area that now you need to stop dating and take time and work on that's i know i i i rarely date i really i don't date very often anymore and um even then like recent really relationships that i've been through and experienced i did not set good boundaries and it ended because i didn't set good boundaries and ended up getting walked on yeah so it's like you you learn but eventually you just keep going, you keep trying, you you have no choice, but you keep trying, but you eventually learn specifically what it is. What are your escapes in life? You know, minor movies and working out. What are, what like, what are, what are areas of, that you're passionate 
about and you find yourself really in a peaceful state of mind i love yep painting (laughs) i love painting specifically though i like colored pencil more than i like painting yeah so i like to draw um and paint not paint but i like to draw and colored pencil and blend a lot of blending work a lot of my my apartment right now is my art Mm -hmm. um put up around my apartment i also if it's warm enough outside chicago it's a different story nebraska i could walk around when it was the winter time because the wind wasn't as insane but here i can't do that as much but walking i like getting out in nature Mm -hmm. and i like finding spots where i can't hear any cars that's a little bit difficult to do here in illinois where we're at but um nebraska it's pretty easy to find some spots where you don't hear any cars. So yeah, I like to get out into nature and find spots where I can't hear any cars. I like to draw. I like to read a lot. Um, and I like to clean. I like to do things that have to do with my mental health that have to do with, um, taking care of me. So sometimes that might look like me going and getting a massage or a facial. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that might look like me going for an hour walk. Sometimes that might look like me cleaning all day. It's really just things where I can move my body and my mind can slow down and I don't have to think so much on work, 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 work. And I can just kind of think about me again because my whole life is centered around thinking about what you need. And there are times in that when I have to remember to I'm a a human being and I have to take care of myself, too. I have to feed myself first or else I'm going to get hangry and it's not going to come off correctly. Yes. I have to <laughs> I have to clean my home because how can I reset in a dirty home? You know what I mean? Especially having a cat now, kitty litter everywhere. Oh, God. Everywhere. I can't even walk in my house without socks anymore. No, no. Kitty litter everywhere. So just taking care of yourself, cleaning for yourself and making sure that you're doing little things that help take care of your mental health. So... Uh- you know, what about favorite food? Mm. What's your favorite, favorite food? I love food. Oh, God, that's so hard. Oh, I know, I know. It's potatoes. Potatoes? Yeah. What style? Any style. I love potatoes. Okay. I, I really like, uh, I make these homemade potato slices with mm-hmm. chorizo, a little bit of bacon, a little bit of cheese. Sounds fire. It's really good. It's really not healthy. It's, yeah. a, it's a heart attack waiting to happen, but it's really good. No, no, it doesn't sound like that bad compared to like everything else out there. <laughs> It's really good. But yeah, potatoes are my favorite food in the whole wide world. Fun fact, my grandma sent me two boxes of potatoes for Christmas. Are you guys Irish a little? Nope. Nope. Puerto Rican, German, Swedish. Now, what about, are you a movie or a show? Mm. Favorite movie or favorite show? I would say favorite movie, probably. I have one of each. What are they? So movie is Bring It On. What's that? It's a cheerleading movie. If you know, you know. I started watching it. came out in like 2000 or 2001, and I started watching it as soon as I could remember mm. life. <laughs> <laughs> That's what got me into cheerleading. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've watched all the Bring It On movies 101 times. Um, Bring It On movies are my favorite ones. I could recite those word for word. And then favorite TV show has to be The Vampire Diaries. Uh, i know that sounds really <laughs> cheesy to you what about but if you know you know what about favorite book okay favorite book that one's difficult too are you talking development book or like free read book just whatever oh god that's difficult okay um i would say my favorite book right now 
is Cersei by Madeline Miller, I think is her name. And is that some uh, female goddess? Yeah, so Cersei is... Greek? Yeah, yeah. she's Greek. She was a uh, yeah. <laughs> daughter of a titan and da-da-da-da-da, and she got cast, uh, exiled to an island, and it talks about her like meeting all the famous greek heroes how they like ended up on her island yeah through like thousands of years and it tells her story mm. it's like a retelling mm, it's actually dope. pretty good that's it's pretty cool um what's your favorite book think and go rich i i never really did any i mean if i did have like a like a, like a novel yeah. yeah it would probably be the percy jackson series I think oh is the, i definitely should have said that yeah that, those are the only books i think i ever read that was like not a development book. Those were the first, one of the first books I ever read. I actually found the very first book I ever read growing up. I found it. I still have it. What's that? It was made in 1997. What book? Uh, Stones and Water. It's a book about this kid in the Holocaust. Yeah. It's like his story. I was really obsessed with. Wow. History. Wow. Kid. Yeah, I took it from my brother, but it's been through me, through foster care, through yeah. growing up with our dad, through all the moves. Somehow it ended up here in illinois in my apartment <laughs> wow that's insane that's dope well anything else on your mind i think we're what are we an hour and a half in aiden uh, about, an hour. about an hour in so anything else on your mind no i think uh i think if you are a woman trying to get into business and into the business industry specifically a male-dominated industry do it stop hesitating and do it so if, if people want to work with you directly, where, where can they find you? Yeah, so you guys can hit me up on Instagram at Sarah underscore Weederquist. You guys can hit me up um, on Facebook, Sarah Weederquist. Does um, everybody know how to spell Weederquist? Nah, W-E-D-E-R-Q-U-I-S-T. It's, uh, it's Swedish. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. Sarah with an H, uh, not without. But um, yeah, you guys can hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, and um tiktok but i don't really use tiktok very often i think it's like sarah weederquist or sarah weederquist sarah or something like that um yeah and dm me shoot me a message let me know what your guys's questions concerns are if you're even if you're interested in it i say come shadow come come check it out come check out the opportunity that we have and start changing your life because you'll go from that little girl into that strong powerful woman if you just give yourself some time let's go anything else you want to shout out or bring attention to no, not really. I think that's it. Let's go. Love it. Another episode down. Peace out.